0: What year is this? The year, year. is 2020, 2020, and this, this is the Hollywood Hey there, welcome to the show. This is episode 225 of Beyond Synth. And I am Andy Last. I host the show, and today we're going to be chatting with Hot Dad. Now, Hot Dad makes fun and uh, funny tunes, which I really enjoy, and it was fun to chat with him. And we'll be uh, doing that in just a bit, but we have a bunch of music to listen to first. I mean, technically, we have music to listen to while we talk to Hot Dad. Actually, he's got such a fucking catalog of tunes that I did a thing I haven't done in a while on this show. Is there certain parts during the conversation where I just play samples of his tracks? I know that was the format when Beyond Synth first started, where I never used to play whole songs. I would just play little samples as they came up in conversation. And I did that with this episode only because there was just so much and, like, you know, we'd be talking and I would drop a reference to a track and I thought it would help the context of the conversation if we listened to the track. So look, we have lots of fun music to listen to today, so let's get to it. Now this one, I'm not 100% sure of the story of this track, but we can talk about it afterwards. I think it was like a promotion for Razors or something. It's called Dad Bod by Dad Bod, but this is the Mahoney remix and fuck. Fucking dig it! and that was Dad Bod by Dad Bod the Mahoney remix now did you know that Beyond Synth is made entirely by the wonderful donations of the Beyond Synth listeners? Without them, this show wouldn't be possible. And Robert D. Bishop and Chris Dance and Mike Shima are the kings of the Pattersons, as I call them. Those are the people who support the show on Patreon. With the What am I trying to say? Th- those guys are the kings. They're very important to me. So, hi guys. How's it going? Um, so look, I don't know what the full story is i messaged mahoney and he never told me (laughs) because i think there's this track called dad bod by dad bod which you can see on youtube and i think it's just i don't think it's a real band like i think it's just a joke song that they made to promote possibly harry's razors or one of those like internet brands and it's a funny song like with those vocals and stuff they're really doing the uh was it right said fred who did fucking uh, i'm too sexy Anyway, they're doing that voice. Anyway, it's this funny track, and I really dug the Mahoney remix because it's, uh, you know. It's got that 80s flair, man. But I'm not 100% sure. Like, maybe it is a real song and some razor company just happened to find it, but I can't imagine there's a band called Dadbod who made a song called Dadbod for no other reason than just to glorify dadbods. It doesn't matter. I should say, though, that Kempson put me onto that song. So I was going to do a live beyond synth where I took all suggestions from the Beyond Synth Discord because there is a channel in the Beyond Synth Discord where people promote their own music but also suggest music to me. And so I was going through that and then I just thought, you know what? I got Hot Dad on this show, so I thought maybe I would play a humorous track to sort of set the mood. Because normally when it comes to the styles I play on the show, we bounce all over the place, right? We listen to a fun pop song and then the next song is some like dark synth thing and, uh, uh, you know, you know how it is. So thanks to Kempson for that uh, suggestion there. And uh, Mahoney's a cool guy. So look, let's listen to some more tracks. We'll keep talking. Um, this is a cool... I, I enjoyed... This is a fun song. Uh, it made me smile. It's by a guy called... Now, I'm gonna fuck up your last name, buddy, and I apologize. I actually... <laughs> I tried. I went on the internet. Because it's, it's John and then C-A-O is your last name. And when I researched it, I found... I probably should have just messaged you. You know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna do something unheard of. I'm gonna sign into my Twitter right now, although it's 11 a.m. and you're in L.A., so there's no way you're gonna fucking be able to answer my message in time, but... Oh, he's getting back to me. I see little dots. Hey, it's pronounced cow, like the animal. Thank Christ, because that's what I thought it was. All right, so look. The... <laughs> This is, uh, it's a track by a guy called John Cow. I've seen many pronunciations, which is why I was confused, because when I typed it in, I saw videos where there was some, I guess, some pastor that's being held by the Chinese government or something, and it was pronounced Cao, and then I saw there's some senator in the States who says his name is Gao, and I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Anyway, this is John Cow, and, uh, seems like he's got, like, an interesting backstory. He's like this I think he's like a Vietnamese guy who grew up in Norway and now he's living in LA making music and stuff and I think that's fun and this song is sort of like a tongue-in-cheek uh, kind of pop song and it made me smile and uh, And you're gonna dig it and it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters like the ones I talked about earlier. There's uh, Jacob Wick with the 4488 and City Hunter with the 42 and in the 2666 Club there's Lucas Ceballos and Hugh Hefner. You thought I forgot you, didn't you? I don't know why I did that. All right. Anyways, look, here is this uh, fun track. It's by John Cow and it is called Do You Ever Think of Me?
1: As the world keeps spinning around, do you ever think of me? When your ears get
0: cow and uh, that's a fun track man i like it. it makes me smile and as you guys know uh, i am a, a notorious grump so anytime something makes me smile is a is a good thing and that was brought to you by my awesome patreon supporters in the 25 dollar club there's clint dowling anthony alex seligson and a star apart So, uh, thank you guys for supporting Beyond Synth. You know, you guys can support the show, too, by going to beyondsynth.com. There's a donate option there. Or you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. It's a cool thing to do. And I just saw a cool video, or interesting one. So, you know the, um, one of the oldest things ever captured on film, or whatever, the Lumiere Brothers, the movie where the train is coming out the screen, and, uh, people were so primitive and stupid back then that they thought the train was actually going to come and hit them because they were idiots. Well, I saw a little video where someone, I guess they were using AI or something to fill in the missing frames of uh, motion, because obviously it's filmed, it's a, you know, it's an old movie where like the frame rate stutters and stuff. And it was really interesting. Because it didn't look that bad. Like, once all the frames were filled in to make it 60 frames a second, like, there's still some jumpy motion, obviously, because, you know, in those old films, like, when you watch, like, Charlie Chaplin and shit, they'll just, like, shoot across the screen, because <laughs> that's what old movies did. And so there's still a bit of that. But when the motion becomes smooth, it's weird how everything seems so... current. and and modern like it's all about that frame rate makes it seem like video in a way I think that might be an interesting technique to sort of really make videos from the past feel more like you're experiencing them currently I think the frame rate is a big part of that because obviously like 24 frames a second that's movies there's a very special way that movies make you feel part of that is I think because of the the frame rate because you know how it just feels wrong when you watch those fuck fucking TVs that have, like, true motion on, and you're watching, like, Die Hard, but it's all smooth motion, and it's just, like, fucking, why does this movie look like it's, like, shot with video cameras now, and it looks terrible? So seeing even an old movie like that with, uh, smooth motion is really cool, and I think it would be cool to do that with a lot of old, like, newsreel-type footage and stuff. I think it'd be neat. So you guys could go, I don't know where the fuck the link is, but you can go find it. (laughs) I just like telling you about things I saw. I don't <laughs> I don't have any information. Um look, let's listen to this track from Apes to Angels or I guess from from Apes to Angels, because they're called From Apes to Angels. These guys will email me tracks from time to time, but they're always like being released later on, and I am a very disorganized guy, so I apologize if you guys haven't released this song already, but we're going to listen to it now, and it's uh, brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, there's Restless Nights, Honeybeard, Tim Carlton, and Johnny Five. And I should remind you guys, because uh, Honeybeard's playing if you're in Toronto uh, in March, but we'll talk about that afterwards. Okay, so look, this is From Apes to Angels with the track Turn the Dark On. that was Turn the Dark On by From Apes to Angels. And that's a nice little track. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. While there's Tim Carlton, Johnny Five, Pattern Shift and Kempson. Hey, that's the same Kempson from the uh, Beyond Synth Discord. How about that? Oh, so what was I saying before? Oh, yeah, Honeybeard. So they're doing a show March 6th. In Toronto, I believe at the Danforth Music Hall. But I'm going to remind you about it over the course of this month. So if you're in the city, that is something that you should check out. And also, just uh, an apology here. My schedule this week and next week is a little fucked. So right now, there is a, a teacher strike going on in my province. What that means is it sort of messes with my schedule to do live shows because they're doing like this rotating strike where they're like striking at the school board level and then at the district level or something. So basically it means that my son ends up staying home two days during the week. And those are the two days that I would do the live show on, and it's hard for me to do that because, uh, as you guys know, I don't really have an isolated studio, so I basically work when people aren't home. That whole thing has thrown this schedule out of whack, which is why this episode is late, which is why we didn't do a live show. So, although to be fair, I think most of the listeners of Beyond Synth are like a year behind. That's like... (laughs) That's the message I usually get from people is like, oh, I'm still on episode 70 or whatever. I'm like, okay, well then. You're not going to notice any disruption to your schedule but uh, for the 10 people that actually pay attention to this show when it's new you're going to be like, how come this fucking episode didn't come out on uh, fucking whenever fucking. This is what my audience sounds like. Look, let's listen to some more music. This was another suggestion from the Discord. This was from Poo in an Alleyway. She posted a link to Kid Burn. Now Kid Burn is awesome. I've played kid burn on the show before but uh I'm going to play some more now because this guy is a super talented, cool dude. And this is a track from his album, Three. It is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 Club. Well, there's Martin Larby. Ooh, I think he was a guest on the uh, Forever Synth podcast. That's the show that uh, Rob Dyson does. He's one of my Patreon supporters. Uh, He was also a PayPal but then wrote me this fucking sob story. Story about how, hey man, I don't have any money anymore, man. I'm fucking broke. And then he fucking sent me a text message of literally just this table full of like jewelry and stuff. And he was like trying to say, like he's like, "Oh, he's out of money, but then you could see in the background, like just piles of Coke that I knew that he's going to sell that shit and make a fortune. He's sort of like doing that double thing where it's like, you know, when you walk past homeless people and uh, they ask for change, you're like, "Oh, I don't have any change." And meanwhile, you're fucking rustling like a fucking chain, right? Because there's just so much change fucking flying around in your coat pockets and shit, And you're like, "Oh, I don't got any change." So then this guy is just like, "Hey, man, I don't have any money." And like in the background, you just see all of these drugs. I know he's sitting there on this huge empire, and um, what am I doing? <laughs> anyway, look, the point is uh, Rob Dyson's a cool guy. Why am I talking about Rob Dyson? Fuck, we're listening to a song now. Look, this is <laughs> this is uh, Kid Burn with the track Stay the Night. Oh my, oh my... the night by kid burn uh he's a really talented dude and uh, you should go check out his tunes and that was brought to you by my awesome patrons in the 25 dollar club there's gregorio franco blake peterson and with the 2049 ashley keegan you guys are uh, really cool people and i appreciate your support And we'll be talking to uh, Hot Dad in just a bit. I've got a few more tracks for you. You know, they put the Bioshock trilogy on the PlayStation uh, Plus this month. If you guys got PlayStation Plus, man, that's pretty cool. You know, I've never actually played through those games. I played the first Bioshock for like a few hours. Although, ironically... You know, because of my love of certain old video games that people famously say haven't aged well. When I played Bioshock, I never played it when it came out. I played it years later, and I remember just thinking, ah, this kind of... It kind of felt dated a bit when I was playing it. And I know that's coming from the guy who fucking talks about Goldeneye all the time. The nerve to say that Bioshock felt dated, but I didn't totally get into it. And I, and I But I knew as I was playing it, like, oh, okay, this is really good. If I played this six years ago, maybe I would uh, like this more. But I think I'm going to give it a chance. They also offered up The Sims this month on PlayStation Plus. The Sims 4. And I thought maybe I'd give it a shot, but like 10 seconds in, I knew I didn't like it. (laughs) I don't like when games that are sort of meant for computer are ported over to consoles and you have to move the cursor around the screen with the joystick. That just never works. I hate it. I know that's the main reason why games like StarCraft and shit... Never worked as well on console because you're really supposed to be clicking around the screen on your troops and moving things around and stuff. And I th- I think there's still a way to do those on console, but any time a game has you using the joystick to move a mouse cursor around, I... Instantly hate it. Like, it's just not appropriate. I think when you port something to a console, you have to do shortcuts where, you know, you're hitting like L and R to like switch between different menus and, you know, left, right, up and down on the D pad cycles through menu options and stuff where you like highlight different things on the screen. But once you're analog sticking for a mouse, it just doesn't, uh, it's no good. Also, the Sims 4 looks really fucking stupid. <laughs> So there's that. It's uh, I'm, Maybe I'm a little prejudiced, though. But, uh, you know, I got the Bioshock trilogy now, so maybe I'll fucking uh, play those. Except I'm still not even done playing Star Wars. And you know what? I'm still in the middle of that new Star Wars game, and I just went back and started playing Skyrim. Because I figured out how to turn the mods on. Turns out you have to go to the mods menu and turn them on. It was tricky. Uh, look, let's listen to some more music, and that is what we're going to do. Uh, this is Damocles from his album Ministry of Synth, and it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Rachel Buchelman with the 1985, and Murat, whoa, I'm voice at a weird thing there, with the 1984. Murat, you know, the reason why I just say his first name is because his last name, every single letter has a symbol above it, <laughs> so... I, I, <laughs> it was years ago I, I attempted this. It was fucking, oh, cute. Oh, it's like the O has an umlaut, the G has an upside-down U above it, and the U has two dots above it as well. Truly wild stuff. You know, whenever I make videos and I put the Patreon credits at the end, Murat's name is the hardest one because I like to use fun fonts. Sometimes custom fonts don't always have options for all the fucking umlauts and the accents and all those things. And so I usually have to manually put little dots above the letters for him, like it's... The things I do for my listeners. The best part is I don't even think Murat recognizes when I say his name because I pronounce it so awfully. So let's listen to this track. This is Damocles with Intergalactic Explorer. was intergalactic explorer by damocles from his album ministry of synth uh, damocles is a goofy guy uh you should go check out the episode i did with him because he was a a fun guy to talk to because he's been uh, making funky synth music for a long long time and uh and he likes to be a bit of a goof so uh that's always a good time and that was uh brought to you by my awesome patreon supporters in the 15 dollar club there's six mil HampusML, ml Ken Giroux, and Chatterack, not to mention some other awesome patrons uh mads baron christensen prophet of jupiter uh and we will never forget the immortal chris Celia Lane. So I've got one more song to play you guys. I just realized we're in February now, and I haven't uh, done my shout-out to my Donation of the Beast pals, so we, uh, we'll probably do that after the next track, because obviously I, I, I appreciate all of you. Oh, and if you have a spare 15 minutes, watch David Lynch's short film on Netflix, because it is amazing, and it fucking... I wish I made that movie. Oh my god. It's called What Did Jack Do? And it's this black and white movie where David Lynch is interrogating a little monkey. And it is so awesome. (laughs) Because it's just... It's a monkey and they've just superimposed a human mouth over him for his dialogue. And it's not even really well superimposed. Like, it's fucking jittery and it, like... It never really matches the movement of the monkey. And (laughs) it's it's sort of like David Lynch doing an impression of someone doing an impression of David Lynch like if you were to make a weird black and white art movie I mean that was my high school art project it's why when I went to film school I didn't make a pretentious black and white movie because I got it out of my system in high school because I was huge into Lost Highway at the time and I made this weird artsy black and white movie that was just filmed in my house and because uh, my dad lives in an old Victorian house, so it is sort of interesting to film in. And it's so just a high school kid inspired by David Lynch. It's all weird and quirky and stuff. And I know that's where people go when they sort of make fun of David Lynch. It's like, oh, put it in black and white and have, you know, some guy talking to a lamppost that's like talking to them or something. So this is that. It's a short film. I fucking laugh through the whole thing, man. It's so stupid. But, but you know, I love David Lynch and I find him very funny. So uh, if you need something to watch that's short, Watch What Did Jack Do on Netflix. It gets the fucking Andy thumbs up. How about this? We got one more song, and then we'll go chat with Hot Dad. Now, this was another recommendation from the Discord from 8-Bit Night. I don't know if I'm playing the song that he suggested, but he was like he posted a link to Vast Hill's album, and I think I've played a Vast Hill track on the show before. I think there's Australian group. I do my research, but they're very good, really talented, uh, cool music. It's from their album, More Than You Imagined. And, uh, you're gonna dig it, man. So this is Vast Hill with Runaways. And that was Runaways by Vast Hill from the album More Than You Imagined. And uh, that's a great album, actually. A lot of uh, good songs on there. And uh, I want to thank 8-Bit Night for suggesting it because I didn't even know their album was out. So that was good. And that, of course, was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters who donate a very evil amount Play that jingle. This is the donation of the
1: beast.
0: All right. You know what this is the donation of the beast. Triple six. These are all the donors who donate. Six sixty six. Every month to be on synth Because they trot with cloven hoof As they uh, buy their groceries So I want to thank Cat Punk Night Ride FM Owen Magali Sandbox General Newmark Abashed Pudding Bro tech Matthew Conway, Replicant 69, Trippy, Artificial, Philip Back, Luke Timmermans, Love Machines from Ix, Alexandro Samaras, Zayon B, Tomasz Shimanek, Street Cleaner, Pooh in an Alleyway, Till Wild, Straylight, Roz Pentland, and Psycho Rex. And we always like to wind down with the Polar Wildcat Studios with the 617. So look, uh, thank you all for supporting Beyond Synth. Like I said before, patreon.com slash beyondsynth or just beyondsynth.com. Click on the donate button, man. I've got a bunch of PayPals as well who I also uh, thank on the show as well because you guys are all amazing. So look, hope you enjoyed the tunes. Now let's go chat with Hot Dad. Hot <laughs> Dad. It's happening. All right. Well, look, I am here right now with Hot Dad. Hello. How's it going, man? It's going well. How about you? I'm all right. So your name is Eric, is that correct? That is correct. You're Andy, right? That is correct. Well, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. You do sort of make kind of jokey, parody kind of music. How would you describe
2: what you do? I would say that's evolved over time because this is a story I've told a number of times, but I initially started in what I would call serious music. When I started working with a serious producer on serious music... I lost all faith in my own abilities to like put out demos and then I started putting out comedy tracks like while I was waiting for this album to be finished and I was like oh well who who cares about that like nobody's going to be really focused on the, the finer details of that so then it sort of became just all joke stuff and then now it's sort of like shifted back
0: the most pithy description is emotional comedy music is how i describe it when you're saying like you're working on sort of serious stuff and then you do this joke stuff do you find when it's comedic that it allows you more freedom or that you feel more comfortable or something i feel like i have more to
2: say when it's in a comedic fashion so i don't know if you've i I have a quote-unquote serious music project called girls who care that was like a I would more or less call it a one-off thing because I don't really know what it is anymore because it was like the first thing I ever tried to do seriously. When I was making those songs, like it was hard for me to come up with topics. It was hard for me to feel like I had things I wanted to sing about. Like David Byrne would talk about that all of the Talking Heads songs are about really simple topics because love is too complex and all this other stuff. And I guess that was something that kind of affected me a long time ago, just like when I would approach things from a comedic angle. I I, I don't know. It just sort of unlocked my brain and it was, I find it easier to write comedic lyrics than serious ones. and, And I've recently had a few songs that are like, I don't know where to classify them like how serious they are. And so then I start writing these lyrics that are sort of like tongue in cheek, and then I end up getting completely stuck. But I see creativity as more just finding whatever, whatever hacks you can come up with to unlock the next phase of whatever it is. Like when I'm composing, I'm adding another layer that makes me want to add more layers after that. So if the type of song that you're writing about whatever ridiculous topic, if that makes you sing and makes you feel whatever, like, that's a tool for you.
0: I should also preface, too, before we continue, that you have, you've made a lot of uh, like, you work in a lot of different genres when you make your stuff. I try to. Since this is beyond synth, and I usually focus more on the electronic side of things, and like, in and around the sort of synthwave scene. So, my picks today of the songs I'm going to play of yours are mostly the more kind of synthy ones. I think that's good, because like, I would not be here talking to you if I hadn't discovered synthwave,
2: etc. Whatever you want to classify it as when it was like 2009 ish. I mean, there was a there's a blog, the Valerie Collective. Are you familiar with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. So the the origin. It's funny because synthwave, the word, kind of shows up more around like 2011, 2012, kind of. Yeah. And then Valerie Collective predated it because I've talked to some members of it. They they just sort of refer to it more like uh, like they were making like disco and before there was an actual word for what they were doing.
2: Right. It was that inspiration that got me to feel like, oh, I can compose something at home. Like, I don't have to go to a studio. So it's more of a pragmatic thing for me. Like, like just hearing those sounds, they just tickled my ear in a way that was really appealing. And I was like, well, if I can figure out how to do this at home, I have all the tools to do it you know that would be a good thing
0: I should also say I don't know why I'm <laughs> I don't usually do this where I have to preface the interview so often I may frequently when referring to your songs use the word silly or stupid but I don't mean it in a bad way it's just that oh that's fine okay it's <laughs> like are some of your songs where I'm laughing and then when it's done I just go this is so stupid but it's like stupid in that absurd way where it's like so entertaining like your lyrics especially I think that's like a the way that I
2: describe that is there are a lot of things that i make that it used to be where people would hear something and they'd say you need to make make that into like a real song someday it's like that's the magic for me Is like when you take an idea like that and you just don't You, you just leave whatever thing you sang into your voice recorder whatever ridiculous thing it was you just stick with that idea and, and it just, wherever the song goes, you just accept it.
0: I love the idea too of like what makes something a real song. No, I mean, that's a constant debate. Like, like, I don't know what that means. For me, it's like all the music I love. Cause I mean, music is really important to me. And it's like, as long as I am moved in some way and, like, the artist's intention is a success, you know? So, right. with your stuff, when, when I'm listening to it, if it's making me laugh, then I'm like, well, it's done. The, the job is complete because, you know, in my position, a lot of people send me music and there's sort of a, I, I go off on this a lot on the show, but there's sort of a brand of uh, generic synthwave in quotes. Yeah. And this is sort of stuff where, you know, you follow a Fruity Loops tutorial or FL Studio these days uh, yeah. on YouTube and, you know, you just do, okay, I need a I need a Poly 6 bass line that goes da-da-da and then I need a little and you know and so there's a lot of this stuff that's really dull and so anytime I find music that makes me feel something then to me it's a success unless it's anger sure <laughs> there's some music I've listened to that's so shitty that I, like, I, I get angry at the screen but you know Apart from that. But I mean, I guess I do agree with you because it's a genre that I,
2: I have, I guess, kind of a love-hate relationship with because I'm not, I don't really like things that pander. And I feel like a lot of Synthwave is just like straight up vibes, man. Like, can you imagine, you know, driving on the highway in a whatever classic vintage car? Like some of that works for me, but a lot of it doesn't. Like, Countach. like what do I want to say? There, there are a few artists that I really like. Like select songs of. But then if I were to try to listen to the album from start to finish, I'd be like, eh, that, that's like too much for me. I'm kind of trying to make the synthwave that I like. Sure. You know, I mean, like, when I incorporate those elements, but uh, I sent you that, the synthwave record. There's no guitars, there's no, there. there is my voice sampled on there, but that was like the purest synthwave thing I could make, but that's not necessarily like my goal. I mean, I, I like it to be a layer within other things.
0: I think, like, I found your stuff possibly because there was like a synth wave tag or something but uh i mean i think what you're doing is it's a lot of fun it's definitely not something i would put into a box it's uh well how about this let's just listen to a song here why not and then we'll we'll keep chacking a chacking the fuck (laughs) (laughs) i like that (laughs) this is one of those chacking podcasts yeah okay so this song's hilarious uh this one's called website world oh yes by hot dad was Website World by Hot Dad, and I'm here right now with Hot Dad Eric. That's one of my favorites. So when you go like, website site, that was the thing for some reason that made me love the song. Okay. Because it really made me laugh the first time I heard it. was just like, just need a website site.
2: <laughs> I'm like really thrilled that you picked that song because I've literally, I was talking about it in my Discord the other day, like that whole EP is like one of my most underrated things and it was, it's like a love letter to the band Eiffel 65. That like <laughs>
0: Okay, dude Have you ever seen, or you must have It's one of my favorite videos on YouTube The Eiffel 65 live performance Where their keyboards aren't plugged into anything No Dude I don't think I have It's the <laughs> I love that video So they're doing blue, obviously Yeah It's like the guy on stage Clearly singing to the CD because his voice is identical to the CD, yeah. With all the modulation and stuff, and then there's two guys, and the way that they're hammering on their keyboards, it's like they're not even really playing what you're hearing. And then if you pay attention, the keyboards aren't actually plugged into anything; they're just like these keyboards on stage, yeah. And it's amazing. It's like just the way the guy bangs the keyboard as he's playing the notes. It's like you're like, what is he doing exactly? Because you're listening to the melody, going like, I don't think the notes are as played as violently as. The this guy is sort of performing it, and right, right. he seems to be doing more notes than there are, and it's amazing. Anyway,
2: go on. I think they were probably in a in a bit of a quandary then, because like I don't I don't think the live technology to incorporate that extreme auto-tune was probably there no no he's clearly playing to the
0: cd like if you watch the video right, it's like yeah. this is the cd like this is <laughs> this is, this the is the not CD. a performance like this
2: is <laughs> but like that band i don't even really like blue that much like the rest of the album has some song they're all like extremely tacky and sorry there's an album yeah, yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> they have a few they have a couple albums actually what? they even had a, a a single on the second one called uh johnny gray interesting i i it's so bizarre. It's like, my name is Johnny Gray.
0: It's just a name. I mean, it's. Well, Blue it, it, is pretty bizarre when you think about it. Like, it's. They're all. I mean, every single song.
2: Every single song is bizarre, but then, like, they have a song about PlayStation, and, like, it's just like them naming games and talking about playing <laughs> PlayStation games. It's amazing. Like,. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's something so pure about it that like it was one of those things that like I discovered when I was like 15 years old. Obviously, at the time, I, I, I don't know what my mindset was like. I, I don't know. I can't I seriously can't remember because like I was into like comedy. I was into like Weird Al and the Bloodhound Gang and like these really like sort of visceral comedy acts. And like I was starting to get into rock stuff, but then Eiffel 65 comes around and, and all of a sudden I'm like obsessed with the album. And I, I don't know if it's possible to take it seriously, but I, I don't know, maybe 15 year old me could, but it just, it really stuck with me. And when I did, I love websites. That was the first song I was like, I got to do more songs about websites, <laughs> and it's got to sound like Eiffel 65.
0: Yeah, considering what you just said about Eiffel 65, I think I love websites. Is uh, I was just because I was thinking that when you talk about mentioning the fucking PlayStation games, because it's just the stupidest. Right. This song is so stupid, but like it made me laugh. Just all the .dot com. What are, what are you, what is, yeah, just get what are through just, them all. You know.
1: wendys.com whitehouse.gov
2: There's a lot of good websites out there, you know, and Uh, the list changes all the time. My favorite website,
0: yeah, no, it's a it's a lot of fun. This like the the webs album, yeah, it's it's great. Like there's a lot of really uh, fun tracks on here. In fact, it sort of reminded me, uh, maybe more so some of your your other work, but there was this thing. uh, There's no reason why you would have ever seen this because this was like a purely Canadian thing. There's a, I think it was for was it blue? I think it was Lebat Blue. They had this campaign in like the early 2000s where they did a parody album which was. Was like a marketing tool for the beer okay what it was was a bunch of parody songs before like before this whole synth wave and all this stuff where it was like throwback like there was sort of like these kind of hollow Oates type parody songs of like kind of 80s and late 70s music but they had these really cheesy lyrics about like your wife making sandwiches for the boys to enjoy the game you know like just stupid yeah. things like this but the song parodies were really well done
1: friends on a
0: The other thing they did was they released one of those infomercials. It was actually pretty ahead of its time comedically when I think about it, where the commercial for the the CD, which doubled as a commercial for beer, was like one of those time-life commercials where you see this stock footage and like the song names are scrolling up the screen and every time one is highlighted in yellow, it plays like 10 seconds of the chorus and then it moves on. Yeah. And uh, the reason why I brought that up was because you have this awesome song called Weed the Bong. Oh, yeah. And uh, maybe we'll just play like a little sample from that because it was sort of, I got kind of like the same vibe from it. It's just, I really liked uh, that track, Weed the Bong, and it reminded me of that sort of beer promotion from the early 2000s, and that, and this is a vibe I get from a lot of your music, where the the music is earnest, but the lyrics are silly. Right. If that makes sense. I mean, that's part of it, yeah. It was just like, I started
2: automatically shifting into this mode. You know, I, I did that, the, the TV album, which was, I think, 105 redone TV theme songs, and a lot of those ended up kind of synth-wavy, because I was, like, composing everything in one day, and it was, like, less effort than playing all, all the guitars and everything. But like, I don't know, like I just started shifting into this mode where I was approaching it like I was making a song for that other band of mine that was all serious music. And and again, it's just like that creates something special to me because I, I think it's probably hindered my growth to some extent because it's like confusing. Like I, <laughs> I, I have a lot of diehard fans that are like, I try to show this stuff to people and they just don't they don't understand. They don't get it. Right. I kind of feel like music should challenge you a little bit Or it should be something that's Sure Like I have a, a fitness wrap That I'm finishing up right now That's extremely stupid But it has this bridge That's just like supercharged With emotion And that's what I like to do I, I come up with the stupidest idea possible And then throw a bridge That doesn't belong there You know where you start feeling emotion and I don't I don't know if this track's going to come up on the show but my cover of uh Summer Girls, the LFO cover. Well that one that one in particular, that song is so stupid. I mean there's a lot of history behind that song. Like they claimed that the lyrics weren't finished in it. Like I don't know how familiar you are with the original but it's just like Gibberish. Nothing really makes any sense in it. It's the words occasionally rhyme, but it was just like during the boy band era. That was just like the stupidest song in the world to me. And I just injected it with absolutely as much emotion as I possibly could. Sure. (laughs) It was like my cat had died recently, like literally like as I was starting that song. And the bridge is just like all the emotion of the cat dying. And it's this song about, you know, I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. it's a vocoder doing all these awful lyrics and it's just like, like a robot singing, just no one should ever want to hear that ever again and and it's like the whole bridge is like, the bridge like chokes me up Because it reminds me of my cat dying and I just injected it with all this emotion
0: I always find it interesting because I've got some friends who are sort of your age And I noticed this funny difference because I have this resentment towards this certain portion of the 90s Yeah It's like right on the cusp of when like Power Rangers was cool was right at the moment that like I was just one year too old to think it was cool Right So like uh, one of my buddies who actually also makes kind of uh, comedic music uh, he goes by Modern Night now now, but he he loves the 90 like he's always referencing like these stupid movies from the 90s like Twister and Congo and yeah. fucking things that like I saw once and were just completely like forgettable but they meant more to him because at the age that he saw them. Right. And so there's certain things like that like that fucking song that LFO song that like in yeah. my head just reminds me of like that part of the 90s that like I want to punch a wall when I hear it.
2: But that that band in particular it doesn't get talked about that much outside of the community but like that band was utterly forgettable and like you know they had their I, I don't know how many minutes of fame they ultimately had but like too much two of the three members have now died of rare cancer like one died at like 35 and then the next one died like four years later Who? it's a conspiracy yeah well it's just like I don't feel like they deserved that well, like
0: <laughs> was that ever was, that, was that... You know what I'm saying But was that ever Like an argument Was just like This music was pretty bad And I think They had it coming No it was just It's just like <laughs>
2: There are a lot of Really shitty songs From that era Where you're like This fucking sucks And I hate this And <laughs> You know, fuck the people for getting this stuck in my head. But yeah, then it's like,
0: <laughs> I, I don't know, like... I don't wish death upon them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you
2: know, and then and then you, you like read about that and you're like, oh, I hope they like work in tech or something. Like they just have some boring ass job and they're probably a good father or something and like... But no, like two out of the three of them are dead and like their legacy is just like worthless music that like no one should ever hear.
0: Has someone tried to trace back the origin of this? Like did they compose their music like inside an abandoned like nuclear facility or... I don't know. That
2: detail I don't know. I mean they were different types of rare cancer, but mm. I, I guess cellular anomalies can cause different things. <laughs> you mean you're not an
0: expert in this?
2: No, I'm not. Not <laughs> cancer special. I've kind of internalized that information, like as I because like <laughs> there's another LFO song I, I keep wanting to cover to do another synth wave cover of it. I don't feel like that gets explored enough. Things get classified into these categories that are really black and white, and you have serious musicians who might have lyrics that are, I don't know, kind of funny sometimes or kind of witty or whatever. Uh, They might be sarcastic. So that's like a serious musician approaching the comedy line from a serious music side but I'm approaching serious music from the comedy side does that distinction really matter I don't know but I think it makes like what I'm doing a little different than the opposite yeah what the other one I just described
0: well I would say this is present and we're going to move forward here to this album called our president oh yeah a r e and this is I just loved reading one of the reviews which is basically an album where this this was for like the 2016 election just like every track is just a name of one of the candidates yes and uh, my favorite track was one called Jeb Bush oh Jeb which, yeah which we're gonna listen to right now for And that was Jeb Bush By Hot Dad And I'm here right now With Hot Dad Eric Come on Jeb Jeb And I I was reading reviews On Bandcamp And one from Randy says this is a great look into the inner workings of the 2016 ele- election and the pros and cons of the potential presidential candidates. Hot Dad is is at some of his most diverse in the selection of songs, and despite the dated nature of the album or your political leaning, these are some great songs that do and will stand the test of time. Wow. Favorite track, Ted Cruz. <laughs> wow, we got a Ted Cruz fan. I love just t- I don't know This whole thing Like just How silly the concept Of it is And then reading You know like Someone (laughs) do like Kind of a jokey Serious review The whole thing Just sort of made me laugh I love those reviews I have not read Randy's But
2: occasionally I go to the Bandcamp page And I'll see that There's a new one And Bandcamp has that font That's like Kind of serious looking Mm -hmm. And it really adds A nice dynamic to it You know
0: Does this have anything To do with anything Or is it just sort of You're just attaching I mean well They do have lyrics though So I mean I was gonna say like Are these just random songs But they are technically about the candidates. I would
2: say that my career has evolved in that in 2016, I was doing a better job at like trying to get attention. And that was just like a popular, there's a a guy named Vic Berger who does these really surreal edits of things, video edits. Yeah. I was watching a lot of his political edits at the time. And it just was one of those things that like everybody was talking about it on Twitter and everybody was doing it. I was like, okay, well, most of the projects I was doing at that time, like the TV themes were, I mean, that was, I was literally teaching myself to compose. I was forcing myself to write a song every day because I was like, I have some money to live on. And if I say I want this, I need to take it seriously. So that ended up being 105 tracks. And it's like track 30 on. It was just like me reading comments, people on YouTube saying, do this show now. you know, do this one next. So then I did Wrestle. I did the album Wrestle because people were like, I don't follow wrestling at all. I don't, Like, hate wrestling, but I don't follow it I I never have, but people were like Why don't you do songs about wrestlers? So then I ended up Doing 25 of those, because people kept Telling me to do
0: more in the comments Well, I should clarify to the people here, when you say You're using the word cover sometimes But, like, these are original pieces Of music that are based on things Yes, yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, I have Some literal covers, but yeah, everything is Original, like
0: Like In in, in the TV themes one, although you're doing tracks That are all, it's just... (laughs) it's just in alphabetical order yeah like 110 fucking (laughs) songs like just like ducktales chippendales you know like it's all just like in order but then you've written these little sometimes 32nd to two minute pieces of music that are about the show but they're not like covers of the theme songs
2: no 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 they they they're all reimagined it's i've never seen a majority of the shows in that (laughs) list It was just like, I would just go to Wikipedia when people said they liked it. I think part of the magic is just like not knowing enough about the show and focusing on the wrong variables too much and focusing too little on other variables and like it's not that I'm not trying to fool anyone. Mm -hmm. It's clear I've never watched the show like in a lot of the cases. Some of them where I did like I'm clearly having some fun with it. I got this from uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast which was like uh, the Cartoon Network's like first thing that was like extremely anti-humor based. It's like this concept of like making fun of something that you clearly know nothing about that like anybody that knows it is going to be like what what is he talking about like that's not even that guy's not even a main character. But you act like you're an authority on something. Yeah. So it's like, how dare this guy think that he can write the theme song for the show, but he has no idea what the show's about. And then, like, my album, my, my wrestle album was, like, just me coming up with random things to talk about the wrestlers. Like, I was comparing the wrestlers' bladder sizes because I thought that that was, like, funnier. Like, I thought that making, like, you know, penis-sized jokes... Was like really predictable, so I I'd, I'd talk about their bladder sizes. You know, it's like obviously I'm not watching the wrestling, and yeah. <laughs> I'm not actually an expert on wrestler bladders. But you come up with some way to make it work for you, and then I could start referencing the the bladder thing. And like I started putting all the shows on HBO on the TV record. Like they all ended up on HBO because when I was editing the the video footage, because I was setting every finished theme song, I would set it to the the actual opening credits and then upload it to YouTube. Right. And I didn't I didn't know what I was going to get there. Like, I would not watch the opening theme. I would just set my song in there, you know, adjust the length of the video so that it fit. And sometimes things would match up, and it was very, very serendipitous and a little spooky sometimes. But, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of try to embrace chaos in
0: that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes, like, I've noticed that, too, with editing, because I do a lot of uh, editing video and stuff. It's funny you actually bring up Space Ghost, because, like, we do a sort of talk show version of, of this show. Uh-huh. Uh, that I put on YouTube, and even though I didn't do it intentionally, like, I just edited, because I've got a co-host who's in Austin, Texas, and I'm sort of like, and I'm in Toronto, and I'm shooting this thing like a four-camera talk show by myself, basically. Yeah. And just so happens that the way I edit the show, everyone always goes like, this reminds me of Space Ghost, but, like, I didn't set out to do it that way, it's just like, that's how it happens. Sometimes there's sort of a magic in like, when you're video editing, sometimes you'll just drop a sound effect in, and you just magically drop it in at the exact right place right and then and then magic happens you know it's embracing the chaos you know yeah well speaking of this fucking wrestling album let's listen to this track because these are nice short little tracks this one's called hulk hogan oh yeah (laughs) and it's by hot dad was hot dad with the track hulk hogan from the wrestle album and i'm here right now with with hot dad i'm here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this one was funny because it uh, it delves into uh, Hulk Hogan's uh, real life. That one's sort of a, more of a classic synthy vibe. I mean, I, I went with that older arpeggiator sound for the bass. And... The ones I'm going to play today on the show are the are the more synthy ones. That doesn't mean that there's other things in your catalog I also didn't really enjoy and find funny. But these are the ones I'm sort of focusing on, you know, just to choose to play or whatever. But uh, there's a lot of really funny stuff in here. I mean, you you picked website love so
2: or website world. Sorry, right. there are a few songs. About about websites and love on there, but well,
0: seemed, the internet does seem to be a big theme with you. Yeah,
2: so you can you can get away with whatever tracks you want. You know, if you if you beguile me with website world,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, it's a you know it's a great song. Like all, all the ones on uh, on webs are great, and there's all these singles you've written that I find really funny. There's always these little silly things I sort of uh, pick out of each one, but like the the structures of them are great. And how does it work for you in terms of coming up with lyrics? Then, like, or do you write them down like poetry or like before you set them to music? Or are you letting the music guide the lyrics? Lyrically, and this sometimes gets me into trouble, I sing gibberish over the
2: instrumentals. A song may literally come from me just like walking around the house and just start singing, like literally out of nowhere, singing directly what ends up being the chorus, like those words in that exact order. But a lot of the times, if it starts from a musical idea, I I build it, you know, one layer at a time. And then when I hear things coming to me, I just sing gibberish into my microphone and then try to choose words for the gibberish. And I get into trouble with that sometimes because it's possible to get so emotional with the gibberish that like you start putting words to it and none of them work or you're just like frustrated and flustered by the fact that like oh it had this much emotion and these words to me don't seem that emotional and it's just this nebulous thing that
0: i I don't know it's something i'm still working on do you ever just keep the gibberish like if you're doing like a chorus and then just decide like this would be better with just a gibberish thing i guess i could but i don't know
2: i don't know what to think about that that's kind of interesting territory but i guess i'd rather that It just doesn't feel like it's done when you're doing anything creatively. Like, when is anything creative actually done? Mm. And I'm just trying to check all those boxes, and I don't know when they're all going to happen. But I won't work on something, like, for literally ever. I mean, I can actually cut myself off, but, like that synthwave record that I sent you like I I I just moved to central New York from Michigan and during the move I was listening to those tracks like to make edits to them like as I was running around the house packing boxes so it ended up being like just like dozens of revisions and like at the end of the day when you get into music production like there are a lot of things that you really really can obsess over that like most people in the audience won't even notice a difference and I don't say that like in any kind of derogatory fashion because like I wish my brain didn't focus on all those things sometimes But like, yeah, it changes the listening experience. Like once you start producing music and once you're fixating on all these little details, like it can be hard to listen to music that like you used to like because all of a sudden you hear all the imperfections in it. Right. And same thing with like your own music. That can be kind of a troubling thing to experience. But yeah, I don't I don't have a, a terrible reaction to my own songs. So that's good. But. Yeah, when I'm making them, it, it can be kind of a harsh process.
0: Well, it's a good thing you don't, uh, because you have so many songs. It would be, it would be hard if you uh, had difficulty listening to your stuff and have to look back on like a thousand songs you made, because there is a ton. Your band camp is like just a fucking flood of stuff. It's been a lot. What's funny about the TV
2: album is that people have done articles about it, like over the years, because like all of a sudden you stumble onto this thing that's like 105 songs, and it's like that is a method now, spamming Spotify with as many songs as possible about. As many topics as possible, and like that's a strategy for making a living as a composer. But I didn't do that. Like I didn't. I wasn't thinking of that. Like I put up that album because people wanted. They were saying they wanted to hear it, and all of a sudden it hit me. It's like every time somebody listens to this album one time, I get a hundred plays. Like that will actually add up to some money. And and it was like I wasn't trying to duplicate that over and over again. But like I look at creative work as you put things up and they serve you. Like when you're working on other things. Sure Like they can sell while you're sleeping They can sell while you're on vacation they can, I mean my my intentions are I would say pretty pure overall But like it does come down to that Like you're making things that work for you When you're not working
0: Yeah Look let's let's listen to this track here uh, This is one called Rest in Peace Meme Oh yeah And it's by uh, Hot Dad
1: Waking up I'm ready to Oh, <laughs>
0: The track "Rest in Peace" meme. Did I say it's by Hot Dad when I started that thing? Or did, yeah, who cares? I'm here with Hot Dad right now. That's the point. We're uh, here, Eric. So this sort of follows a, a theme with your music that I mentioned earlier, where there's a lot of um, the Internet plays a big part in the things you sing and write about. You've got a lot of tracks dedicated to uh, YouTubers and uh, just sort of things about memes and, and sort of nerd culture and stuff. I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> yes, I did my job correctly. If you I did can. it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and
2: that, that song also features Frank Javsi, who is, I've done a few songs with him. I mean, that was his idea. I said I wanted to do a collaboration with him, and he's like, okay, let's do a song about memes dying, like having such a a short shelf life. That's a tough thing to say right there. (laughs) So then I just sort of built it, and then that verse is him. He did that verse, but I did the rest of the song, and it is about what you said.
0: You know the song, I Love to Piss? Yeah, I've heard that one. Like, is that an original piece of music, or is that based on something? Uh, It's an original piece of music. Because it's so... That song, like I mentioned before, how I've got this thing about the 90s. There is this phase of, like, you know, like the radio pop rock stuff. Yeah that I can't like the reason why I love when synthwave came up is because it sort of evoked the things I liked about the 80s right these like nice fat bass lines and uh chords and things and there was this phase you know in the the 90s where there was like this this, you know like the fucking uh hootie and the blowfish period of time and like uh, what's that fucking uh closing time and like all all those things you
2: know he wrote for Adele
0: he wrote like some of her biggest songs well he uh Dan Wilson If I can, closing time is uh, another story. but Yeah, yeah. So what I love about I Love to Piss, because it's such a funny track, but it's so perfectly that era. Of, like when I first heard it, I'm like, this is like the funniest parody of that period of time. I don't know if you did that intentionally. No. But, like, to my ear, when I hear just, like, the fucking, like, the guitar riff, the chorus, the fucking, I love to piss, like, it's so, it's so perfect, that song, like, and just, it it really made me laugh when I first heard especially when I was listening to the more sort of electronic stuff you were doing, and so I was following you, because I knew I was going to ask you to be on the show, and so when... (laughs) When that stupid single came on Bandcamp, I'm like, oh, what's he going to do next? And then this (laughs) fucking, I Love to Piss is like the name of the song. I'm like, what the fuck?
2: before I moved there was just a lot on my mind and I started seeing a therapist and you know talking out all of my creative woes and everything and I hope this is one of the problems you addressed to your therapist <laughs> I just <laughs> I just love to piss too much yeah <laughs> uh, no I was just like saying how I just was beating my head against the wall because like I was I don't know I was trying to do things that were like too grand and I wasn't really finishing things and she was like, why don't you just do something stupid and I was like okay you know what I- I'm gonna take your encouragement I'm gonna do something stupid been too long since i've done something really stupid and that was what
0: i did i didn't actually show it to her i probably should have but, yeah, yeah, or maybe i
2: shouldn't have i don't
0: i don't that know, would have but, engra- i took your 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 wonderful encouragement and here's what i've produced in this fucking yeah this is I love this is what piss. i did
2: <laughs> i don't. that's that's it but like i think that the bridge is really emotional to me and like that that's it like that's that's the perfect hot dad formula yeah cuz like it's obviously a joke but then you get to that bridge and like If you weren't really paying attention to what I'm saying, you might think it was a real
0: song. Yeah. (laughs) In general, uh, like even in the stuff around the synthwave scene, like I've got a playlist that's got like thirty-six days worth of music. Oh yeah, and I don't have a super encyclopedic knowledge, especially stuff like I haven't heard. So sometimes people get covers past me without me noticing. Yeah, because I just don't know. Like like I'll play a song. Well, that was a cool track, and then someone's like, you know, that was a fucking uh, ABC astronaut track from nineteen eighty-six or whatever. I'm like, no, I didn't know that, and then I feel kind of like an idiot. Yeah. So I just like to clarify because when I heard this track, it so evoked that. Feeling of that kind of music of that era, that I'm like, is this a cover that he's just doing Joe lyrics to? Because it was so well done. I hope it's not. I mean, it's
2: (laughs) that's obviously the uh, the ultimate fear of a creative person, and partially why I limit what I listen to. Because like, if I only listen to things like obsessively. I can say like, oh, I want to steal from that song. I want to borrow this idea. I want to do something and be very deliberate about it. Right. And and like transformative, because I feel like that's one of my strengths. That's something I'm not doing as much as I used to. Like when I was doing a song every day, it's like I can listen to something and then like regurgitate it in a fresh way. And so now if there's a song I get obsessed with and there's something about it that I really like, I, I will say to myself, okay, I want to do this thing instead of like... I'm always a little worried. You know, I mean, if you just start singing something to yourself, if you just start humming a melody, you're not going to like check it against some database to make sure that this whole burst of inspiration, like, oh, I got to make sure that this isn't borrowing from somewhere over the line. Right. Because like that would completely kill the creative process. So that's always something I might. Think about like at some point, but like I don't think that's a real song to I mean. me. Uh,
0: no, it's, and it's not that I think it is. It's just that I have right. this this thing that happens to me where I don't know how to word this in a way that's like polite. So it's like sometimes I don't trust when music is too good. Yeah, like like there's some synthwave acts as well who. Um, like there's this this artist called Forêt de Vin or Forêt de because it's French for wine and they just they wrote some music out of nowhere like you know a lot of people they there's lots of tracks you know when I discover them as an artist I go to their band camp and like oh they've been making music for a few years then sometimes like an artist will just come out with like one song and it's just so good And there doesn't seem to be any sort of prior history or any sort of buildup that I don't trust it at first. Yeah. Like, I'll listen to it and be like, this is too good. And oftentimes it just ends up being like, they're just very talented people. Maybe they came from different bands and just happened to produce this song or it's the first time or they're not on the Internet. So they don't really post stuff too often. But anyway, so that's why that happens to me sometimes when I hear a certain track where I'm just like, where it's almost like too good, then I don't trust it. (laughs) But But I don't. Being incredulous isn't necessarily the worst idea because like you've
2: got Spotify actually creating artists just to get on playlists that have no history. Like, I mean, it's possible to just algorithmically stumble upon something that was written by, you know, somebody that Spotify is paying so that they can claim all the royalties. Not that that's what's happening, but like... Oh, that's sneaky. There's another dynamic in music listening now that was not there. Like, you have algorithms that are determining what listeners want, and obviously companies are able to exploit
0: that, so... Yes, it's weird, because I don't really use Spotify that often. Yeah. I still... I do things the old-fashioned way, which is... I mean, I don't use it either, but like... People send me Spotify links, but then I'm always just like, ah, fuck this. And I got to use Spotify. Like, It does a really good job, though, at
2: recommending similar tracks. And I have like I've been in a house where somebody puts on a playlist and I'll be like, what was that? Like, I, it will actually hit like it will actually tickle me like it will actually work properly with my brain yeah I don't know if that's a good or bad thing ultimately but you know I, I make more on Spotify than I do on YouTube you know I mean I have a much larger following on YouTube but Spotify is like the bulk of my income other than Patreon well, that's cool that's kind of insane to me that like it I don't know it gets such a bad rap sometimes but like if you're not paying a bunch of other people if you're not paying a label if you're not splitting the money a bunch of ways it ends up being moderately substantial like it ends up being worthwhile trying to put in the time to do that right well that's good i like to hear success
0: stories yeah (laughs) they make me happy i also want to listen to this track because there's a there's this album you did called woman titles oh yes and uh, this track i liked a lot this is called gimme the girls that's a good one by hot dad Dad with the track "Give Me the Girls," and I'm here with Hot Dad right now. Eric, I am here. So this is a fun album because it's sort of jokey, but you don't like the songs are sort of like lyrically are more sort of sweet. Like they they didn't necessarily like you know. There's an alternate dimension where this album is like kind of more perverted. Yeah, and you didn't really go that route. Right. That that was deliberate. I actually wrote a few of those songs like back in 2010. It
2: was like the first thing I was ever doing. I was I was literally recording music in Vegas video. I knew how to edit video and i was like oh i guess i can set this to record like audio and i guess i'll start building these tracks and they were just like really stupid but they were like ar- about this topic of like sitting near you dreams come true and like imagining that a woman's hand brushing against yours is like all you want <laughs> like that's you've maxed out yeah the encounter and it was just this yeah this is like this concept of just like hanging out and and like sitting near people and sharing meals and I can't remember if any, if there are any like kisses on there, but then I have a later song called I like love. Yeah. I like that song a lot too. Actually. I have a t-shirt that has like my video editor designed it where it's like acceptable actions in between lovers. And it's like handshakes and listening, but not hugging and kissing. Like (laughs) those are the boxes that are checked. And like, I, I don't know. I just think it's kind of like a funny idea given like how pop music is with like sex generally. So it's like I have I have anti I have an anti sex rap I have a song called Never Not Fuck about always having sex like I I just I like these extremes because like the the anti sex raps like the narrator is like he's like the coolest guy in the world and everyone like wants to be as cool as him
0: right yeah yeah yeah
2: and that just like makes me laugh like you can tell that I think that that concept is funny because
0: like <laughs> sometimes I do feel like an old man when I actually do hear modern music yeah it's like I'm not a prude. I'll be, like, you know, like, I'm a guy with access to the computer, so, like, I mean... Yeah. I've seen things, but it's funny, like, you know, when I catch, like, a fucking... Oh, what's her face? the hell's her name? Anaconda. What the fuck? Rihanna? No, um... Is it not Rihanna? No, the one with the big ass, like, but the really big ass. Oh, it's Nicki
2: Minaj. Yeah. yeah. Nicki
0: Minaj. <laughs> you know, like See, when
2: we're I, both good at pop music. Yeah, when I,
0: like... I remember thinking like Jesus Christ, am I an old man? Like am I going to be that guy? Because when I first heard that song and watched the video, I'm like, what the fuck? Like this is just a hardcore song about fucking. Like that's what this is, yeah. but it's like a a pop track, you know? And then I was like, yeah. wow, like I'm old if I if I'm going to be like, now music in my day, we didn't fucking blatantly sing about sucking on big dicks, you know? Like Yeah, yeah.
2: I don't yeah, I don't know what to say about that because I I kind of agree with you because there is a, there's like Extremes, And it's like, if it doesn't go far enough, but it's still existing in that realm, like, it's just, like, kind of oily and salacious. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily work for me. But if you go, like, to the extreme end where, like, I'm doing
0: a song called Never Not Fuck. like yeah, yeah. yeah. I I don't know. There's something something about that. It's a different thing when it's... I I think the difference is when it's um, packaged as just, like, this is just pop contemporary music or whatever, you know? Like, the kids are listening to this versus a song that's clearly tongue-in-cheek, you know, especially, too, yeah. with your image. Like, if people see what you look like and, and, like, the way you dress, like, in your videos and stuff, there's obviously, like, you have a sense of humor, you know what I mean? Like, you know yeah. what you're doing and people who are watching it know what you're doing. Right. I mean, some of them some of them are
2: still confused, but, I mean, I still get <laughs> occasionally confused well, saw, comments on YouTube, but...
0: No, I imagine, but those people are... Like, the only thing that I still find upsetting, to be honest with you, is... <laughs> That's stupid... The picture of you on the band camp with the eyes that are on the neck? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, That picture I find really upsetting for some reason. <laughs> it
2: has the... Uh, doesn't it? It has, like, some of the tools are visible, like, some of the... <laughs> like, the actual... Photoshop tools are, they're not supposed to be visible, but they're visible. I mean, that's my, my video editor who's actually retiring at the end of this year, but yeah, he's been the designer of all my album art. Like you just said, woman titles, which was not him technically, but all the album art since he's joined the project. Sure. Yeah. A lot of my aesthetic is due to him.
0: Yeah. 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 It's fucking bizarre. (laughs) I'm
2: not a visual artist and I believe in delegating tasks, you know? So,
0: uh, see, I wish I I don't have that power. I do like everything, save for, um, I have some, some friends who make jingles for me and stuff for the show but like pretty much everything else it's me and that's why i get nothing done all i do is just walk around being stressed all the time because i do everything i told him that i was doing this podcast and he complimented the art on the website oh that's
2: cool so so a a designer a designer that i think is good thinks that your design work is good
0: hey there you go yay yeah success (laughs) um Look, I want to listen to another track. This one made me laugh because of your pronunciation of Fieri. Oh, yeah. I love this one just because I love the accent you put on every time you say Guy Fieri. That's how he says it. No, no, I, like, I get it, but it's like it's just... That's how he does it. It's like, you, make it like, you just make the point like every time, and that's what I love about this track. It just made me laugh. Uh, this is uh, Fieri by Hot Dad. Eddie,
1: searching for someone...
0: Dad with the track Fieri. Yay. I'm here right now with Hot Dad. Yeah, that one's great. Uh, It's a great song, and just every time you just (laughs) think, Fieri.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That one really tugs at my heartstrings, even though it's about, I'm going to say it, Mr. Fieri.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So what's going on, like, with your, uh, like, are you a really emotional guy? It seems like a lot of these songs you're, you're pouring into these sort of real world emotions into. Yeah, I mean, my life isn't, like, really hard, so it's trying to
2: summon emotion in the wrong places intentionally i mean i've been in like the same relationship for 10 years and i've been working from home since 2012 and my health is pretty decent and like <laughs> all my grandparents are still alive and my parents are like <laughs> I, I don't know like i don't really have that other than like my cat dying which i then made a tribute to to him i, I don't know where to change tra- Where to find emotional for a song that's just about like, oh, I'm weathered and the world is is hard and here are things I want to talk about. Right. Like when I'm working on stuff, it's like constant highs and lows of just like, you're pathetic. You'll never finish this song. And then the next hour, you're like, this is the best thing you've ever made. And going back and forth and trying to ride those waves when they're productive. I don't like it's about manipulating myself. So. Again, if I add a layer, if I add a, a guitar part that really excites me and it makes me want to sing a vocal line, then that's, I've done my job. And if that happens to be a synthesizer, then that's what I use. And I mean, there's a massive fondness for, for synth wave stuff.
0: How much uh, stuff do you have on the go, like at any given moment? Because you just seem to produce a lot of stuff so i I always imagine like a folder full of like works in progress i would say that that ebbs and flows
2: i mean i have a full album that i've been working on for a couple of years so the the guy who produced and mixed my girls who care record he's now like a two-time grammy nominated mixer who's done like all kinds of i mean he's done songs for kimbra and uh he mixed the sean mendez record that had a grammy nomination like i mean he's like just an incredible mixer and i wanted him to give that treatment to my next record
0: is he a close enough friend where you don't have to pay him
2: Uh, i do have to pay him but the rate would be (laughs) significantly (laughs) discounted over like what a celebrity might pay. Installments. Yeah, I mean, he's taught me everything I know. Like he's just been a friend for years that has helped me so much with production. You know, just any questions I ask him, he'll answer and he'll give me an answer that makes sense. And, you know, if you listen to the evolution of my productions over time, you know, most of the time I get stuck on something and he's the one who, you know, helped me get over that hurdle. And so like I have a full album of that. I have, I mean, I, I, this Synthwave album, has been done for months ultimately now. So that was eight tracks there that have just been like sitting around. I have, yeah, I mean I have hundreds of things that are not finished. A month or two ago, I was getting stuck like with these new songs I was working on. I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to something I started in 2017 and that's mostly done and finish that. And like that kind of got me out of that writing funk. Like, oh this song is about 90% done. Why don't I just finish this? And then all of a sudden that's inspired some other ideas now. So I don't know. I mean, there's constantly things in progress, but lately I have I haven't been starting new things just because I have so many other things I need to finish. And like if I start those, then that's going to be a continuation of this problem.
0: I find digital clutter weighs on me the same way that real clutter does. Like I have folders of... Um video content for uh, Beyond Synth. I do interviews with artists when they come to the city and stuff and now I've got like 20 videos that are outstanding and haven't been edited because I like pretty much now like this podcast is like my full time job and so like I'm constantly editing and recording things and stuff and it weighs on me exactly the same. It's like being in a room like covered in laundry and garbage. It's like as long as it's there I feel the the weight of it even if it is digital. I don't I
2: mean I I feel like every person has a different threshold with that kind of stuff. And like my office will become chaos and a mess. And then just suddenly one day I'm like, my office is a mess. I must clean it. And like, I wasn't even thinking about it prior to that exact moment. So, so the same thing there, like I'll have like 150 tabs open on Chrome and I'll be like, holy shit, I have 150 tabs open on Chrome. Yeah. (laughs) Like today I was closing tabs on Chrome for days. I've just been dealing with, I, you know, I can't even see the new tabs that open. I can't even close them because they've like vanished. (laughs) And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people would see that and just like completely freak out. And I'm just like dealing with it. And then all of a sudden, one day I'm like, this is really bad. I need to fix this. Like what you're saying where you've actually done the work and like it's you've done the interview and now you've got to edit it. I mean, I guess it's kind of comparable to a song that isn't finished because the end product, you know, involves the editing as well. But like a lot of these things just aren't done. They just have gibberish vocals. And like, I'm not looking forward to write, writing the lyrics.
0: Yeah, because I just know there's something that's not done and it weighs on right. me. And then I just keep adding to that pile. Right. Right. I, I guess even tabs open is the same thing. Yeah. Emails I haven't answered is the same thing. Like, I just have yeah. people message me on, like, my private Facebook, the actual Facebook page, Twitter, SoundCloud, email, since I don't have an uh, administrative assistant. Right. I basically pick. I just pick, like, every, like, the end of the month. I just go, today I'm going to read my... SoundCloud messages and then It's a whole day of that and then I I Feel some sort of satisfaction but then still The weight of like but I still have Like five other places that are full of Fucking messages and sometimes people get Mad at me that's the other thing too like if I Don't respond quick enough those are my favorites (laughs) Just like they send me music and then I don't respond and then like by the time I Check the email there's like several angry Emails that follow that first one that's like Oh you're too good for my music and all this shit I'm like whoa like I didn't uh, See the first message
2: yeah I mean it's also hard because like you you can't say yes to everything like that's you know step number one and then uh, or point number one but then also yeah i mean it's hard like selling yourself is really hard that's one of my weaknesses ultimately like why i prefer to just make things and if you like them you like them and if you don't you don't i don't like emailing like people will say you should do this show and I'll be like okay email them on my behalf because me doing it like I feel just terrible doing that yeah so I guess I can see like why that brings out weirdness in people where like they're not obligated to do anything for you like you're not obligated to listen to everything that anyone sends you like that's not how any of that works and like
0: it's weird there's a, there's a certain strange entitlement though to people on the internet it's funny sometimes some people and i always find it's the worst artists that are like that that are the worst people there's artists i know who are f- insanely talented super humble people who you know like and then i just finally get around to listening to stuff I'm like oh this is really great and then it's always the people that i find really pester me it's like when i finally listen to their music i'm just like what the fuck is this shit yeah and like it's like why do these people have the, the this cocky attitude that they think anyone should even fucking listen to this versus someone who's just kind of quietly like, Oh, yeah, when you get around to it, here's my album, dude. And then I listen to it and it's like fucking genius. I'm like, What the? It's a totally, it, it's, it, there's a certain mindset. I guess basically I'm just describing that there's, there's assholes out there.
2: I think what you're describing is the phenomenon where it's like, Somebody like me doesn't have the confidence to sell himself and then somebody who isn't particularly good but has this additional confidence they're like treating it like it's a business move and they're like oh if i just you know ram my way through as many doors as possible i'm sure one of them's going to stick i mean it's like spam calls or yeah like flooding as many people as possible and one of them's got to work and as long as one of them works then you've achieved some goal and yeah. I-, I don't know like
0: <laughs> Well, speaking of which, I guess this sort of relates because there's a a track you made that I did called uh, "Can You Talk to People Around the World on the Internet." Ah, we're still working on that one, trying to figure out. (laughs) And this is a this is a fun track, and it's by Hot Dad. (laughs) with the track Can You Talk to People Around the World on the Internet? And I I sort of advise anyone, if you're listening to this show and you haven't heard Hot Dad's music before, go to the band camp and sort of like read along the lyrics as you listen because uh, the lyrics to all these tracks are always... Uh, they always make me laugh. I appreciate that. That's my endorsement. That's another
2: thing that I think is slightly different about comedy music versus serious music or regular music or whatever classification like lyrics are so much more important and i feel like over time that's something that i've tried to work on more and more like just making things more intelligible boosting the volume of lyrics trying to enunciate you know redoing vocal parts over and over again just because i'm not sure if i could be understood like and that's I I feel like that's very different in comedy than
0: yeah 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 some of
2: my favorite albums of all time like I don't even know the lyrics on them and I can sing along to them
0: most of the time with the majority of music I listen to I always gravitate to the melody okay you know like I like Radiohead for example yeah and like I never know what he's saying half the time it doesn't bother me like it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the music but when it comes to the comedy stuff yeah I agree with you like it needs to be clear but then again the power is also that the music has to be good as well so that it stands on its own, because, I mean, you could have written these funny lyrics, but then just set it to, like, fucking elastic band, you know, kind of music or whatever, because, like, this is comedy music, you know, ding, dong, ding, and, like, these lyrics. Right. But then it wouldn't have the same legs as when it's actually, like, a nice song, and so... I find when I listen to your stuff, you know, like I'll giggle along and then I'll go to band camp and sort of read the lyrics. And then it's sort of like another level Sure, as I start to sort of understand it more and then go like, oh, that's a really clever, you know, lyric here and stuff like that. And so I find it's like, I want to know the lyrics because I know that there's more jokes within them. I mean, I kind of feel that way about movies. Like I generally watch movies just in like,
2: does this emotionally affect me? Does each scene compel me to continue watching like on this really, really like lizard brain approach. But then if I really like it and it did check all those boxes, then I want to know like all the origins of it. And then I want to know fan theories of what happened. And I want like, then I'll go down that rabbit hole. But like when I'm watching it in real time, it's just like, does it work for me? So much comedy music, like like people that actually have the budgets to do a better job. They just don't because it's comedy music. And that's something that's always bothered me is to like, if I had the budgets to make everything as professional as possible, I would be doing that. Right. That's just an important variable to me. And and I don't like that artists that have that they have massive fan bases. They have the ability to make something that's going to hold up beyond that week, you know, beyond it being a silly meme song or what. Like, I don't know. There's just all these things that you can adjust, all these different variables that produce a different sort of end product. And that's so important to me is doing my best job doing the best job possible, even if it is stupid.
0: But also there's like an absurd quality that I like to your music because like I laugh a lot in conversation with people. But as soon as I'm watching, say like a movie that is designated comedy or I watch a stand-up comedy special, then all of a sudden my arms cross yeah, because I'm like, all right, make me laugh funny, man. You know? Yeah. And then it's a lot harder. So in a weird way, sometimes people think like I'm like this all the time. It's like when I'm having like a natural conversation with somebody, I tend to laugh because like you know funny things happen in the conversation people say things that are unexpected but i find pulp fiction funnier than most films that are called comedies yeah and those moments a lot of times in in like quentin tarantino films or whatever like they are intended to be funny but i find them funnier when they're not in the context of like here's a comedy like a lot of comedy movies i don't like for that reason the same with stand-up like i'll watch stand-up comedy and like I'll just sit there and like not laugh the entire time. To me, a successful stand-up comedy is something where I laughed once. Then I go away going, hey, that person actually made me laugh. Like, good for them. Right. And so, I always like an absurd aspect to the the sort of comedy itself because when it comes to comedy music, I do the same thing. There's a lot of YouTube channels about people who do like parody music and stuff and I fucking hate it. Like, it makes me cringe. Yeah. And people use the word parody a little fucking liberally sometimes because there's some like YouTube channels I've watched that have like fucking like millions of subscribers and it's like they'll say like oh it's a Star Wars parody I'm like well it's not quite a parody as much as it is like some sort of rap with star wars related content but it's clearly just like a cosplay excuse and yeah. people are going to watch it because it has star wars in it which is why i like your star wars song yeah. because it's sort of like the anti that yeah right it's like it's the opposite it's like a guy singing about star wars who doesn't know what star wars is right right when <laughs> i the kind of humor i like like the absurdity of your lyrics to me because there's cheap comedy lyrics rhymes you expect you know like if someone's gonna make a parody song about like the last jedi there's gonna be and he's drinking green milk and blah 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 you know like they're gonna go to, for all the things we all know right or there's the the weirder more absurd more abstract joke And that's why I like what you do, because it's like, you you take the songs in these sort of weird directions, or the joke itself is just some absurd premise. Like, the fucking, the the track The Problem Lies in My Son and Wife. Yeah. (laughs) Just as like... Just as a song premise is funny.
2: Yeah. No, I think that's so important. I mean, I don't think jokes should be spoon-fed. That doesn't work for me. It sounds like it doesn't work for you. Where you you set something up and you say, now is the point where you laugh. Here's the point where you laugh. Like, over and over again, this is exhausting to me. Like, it, it does not work for me at all.
0: I know everyone always picks on Big Bang Theory, and rightfully so, but like, when there's a structure to it, the, the laugh. Like, every, anytime right. I've ever caught Big Bang Theory, I'm like like is this a comedy show or like a fucking math equation because it's like everything is just like big laugh little laugh you know like they'll walk in and be like <laughs> right. you know like I'm going to the Halloween party and there's like the, you know the ha, ha, ha. what are you going as yeah. this year you're going to go as Frodo again ha 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 and then someone else yeah, walks in laugh. and they go like Frodo I was that this year and then like little laugh and then someone else walks in and then we get the big crescendo laugh when someone walks in and he's dressed like Frodo and the whole time I'm just like frowning at the screen like what is this shit and why are these people laughing like right I think they drug the audience and it's like one of the most successful
2: shows on television yeah <laughs> For me, it was a whole shift in thinking. It's like I discovered somebody like Andy Kaufman, and it's like you break down a lot of his routines, and it's hard to figure out, like, well, where's the joke here? What what in particular is the joke? And it ends up being this multi layered thing where, like, if you showed me something that I like in anti-humor, you might think that I'm laughing at this thing, but this thing is a mockery of the thing that I hate, and I'm laughing at it because it's such an effective mockery of the thing that I... Like, it just ends up being all these different layers, and, like, if you're not initiated into it, which... The average person is not, you know, and and I feel like I can navigate that really easily just by, you know, making the music serious, just by making a a five minute song about whatever topic that somebody would say, why would you ever do a song about this topic? And why would you invest all this time in this? Like (laughs) getting people to ask that why. Those questions are the things that make me laugh. Yeah, exactly. I like B movies. I'm not like a massive B movie fan anymore, but like you get these movies where like people have this vision And they just take it all the way to the end. And like sometimes this happens in like a major studio where like all these rich people all signed off on this thing that's like insane. And that's what happened with like the Sonic the Hedgehog art controversy that happened a few months ago where everybody started freaking out because they saw the Sonic the Hedgehog art. Hedgehog art. Yeah. Then the studio changed it. I mean, they changed him. They changed Sonic into this different, more digestible form. And there was this article that I read of somebody saying like, this is a bad thing because like we're missing out on like the authenticity and the earnestness of like all these people thinking they know what the audience likes best thinking they understand audiences. And it could have gone all the way and been this just insane thing, but instead the internet complained and they just adjusted it. So there's something about anything that's really heartfelt that, that like if, Somebody who was, I don't know, if you put it in front of a financial analyst or like an agent or somebody who's going to like assess your career, like they'd all probably say, like, maybe this isn't the best idea, but then it gets done anyway. Like, that's kind of the spirit that I think is really great.
0: There's like a yin and yang to movie magic. Like, I'm not a very mystical person, but I mean, when I say magic, I just mean like sometimes there's just a confluence of just a certain amount of factors that made. This perfect thing that ends up being a great movie. And on the flip side is like those amazing bad movies. Right. And it's all part of the same... It's like two sides of the movie magic coin. Because like, you know, I love Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2 has... Same cast, same director, same writers, and it's just not as good of a movie. Sure. You know, like, when people complain now about a lot of sequels going like, oh, they don't have the original actors, or they don't have the original director, I'm like, well, that doesn't mean that the movie's gonna be good, and Ghostbusters 2 is an example of that, because it's like, listen, the the entire same team all returned, and they made an inferior film. Right. So there was a magic to Ghostbusters 1. Maybe it just had to be made that year. You know, it like, all these things had to come together to make it the special movie that it is. And then you've got, like... Like, The Room or fucking a Samurai Cop. Because you can't purposely make a B-movie. You know, you have to be thinking like you're making a good movie. And then if you try and make a B-movie, you end up with fucking, like, Sharknado or Samurai Cop 2 or whatever. Yeah. Where it's like you failed because you can't go in going like, we're going to make a bad movie. And then like, you got to be Neil Breen. No, I totally agree with that because like Kung Fury was like a really big deal a
2: few years ago. And like that to me is exactly what we're talking about. Like the badness doesn't work for me. The tackiness doesn't work when you're forcing it. Like when you know that it's bad and you're doing it, the movies that it's channeling, those were creators that were like taking this risk. They they're seemingly doing this like in their own, you know, insulated brain and raising all the funds on their own and doing this thing that ends up having all this additional charm but then yeah when you just like try to force that through and you try to say oh well i'm gonna make a b movie and everybody's gonna every line's gonna be a one-liner and everything's you know gonna look a certain way and then it's gonna be so ridiculous when this happens like it just doesn't work with me the originals yeah that that's just something amazing happening it will stand the test of time like if it's done earnestly
0: yes earnesty earnesty Well, I've just invented a word. Not a bad. It's not a bad word. Uh, yeah. No, the key is earnestness. That's the key for me. Like when I talk about my love of like 80s things, it's not the fucking mullets. And the big shoulder pads Yeah What it is, is that, you know, the film industry in Hollywood It's always been a business But I feel like in the 80s is when the commercialization started But they didn't have the machine fine-tuned like they do now Like, now it's like, movies are a science now Yeah So every every Marvel movie follows the same formula And you might even feel the emotions they want you to feel Like, some studios, like Pixar, for example They're just really good at, like, we're gonna make you feel sad And they do it successfully because they they have the science of it down the eighties was this funny time where like things are going commercial, there's lots of product placement and things like this, and these movies are intended to be blockbusters, but they still made these weird movies where you're like, Like, what is Beetlejuice? Like, who okayed Beetlejuice? Right. Like when you watch that like I love Beetlejuice. I'm mean, just like, that was a big budget fucking movie that was like the company said, We're gonna release Beetlejuice in theaters, and you watch it and like what? Yeah. Kung Fury is a, t- a project where, like, I appreciate the-, the artistry. Like, they're very talented people, and they-, they-, oh, they put together some stuff. But what I don't like in the synth scene is, like, this sort of reliance on, like, it's just about mullets you know like because i've had to sit through so much comedy shows that every time they do their 80s skit they play you know like a little synth riff and a guy walks in with a a mullet and a pink blazer with the sleeves rolled up and that's the joke and to me it's like no no the real joke is you got to play this thing for real then i'm fucking on board and if it's not for real then it's then i'm out i I think it's possible to
2: take the aesthetics and it's done people do this they take the aesthetics and they sort of modernize it or they they put their own spin on it and that's what works it's like when you make the joke just like the 80s that's the problem you know if you if you borrow if you if you take the spirit of it that can be great but, yeah, that's, that's what I was saying, like, initially about just, like, the music that, to me, seems like it's pandering. And, like, the Synthwave album that, that I sent you, I mean, this upcoming one of mine, like, all the titles are supposed to be, like, kind of a joke on that. There's, like, a song called Finite Summer that, like... <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I like, the, <laughs> like <laughs> the, Isn't there a track called, like, The Things We Used to Buy or something? Yeah, yeah. That's a clever title.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, again, my position is not nobody should be allowed to do these things and nobody should like it's that's not my position but i'm a consumer of things as well and i feel like if i didn't have strong opinions i wouldn't be making anything and so you know some people do have strong opinions and i'm trying to do something that i think is more like how i'd like to see it or hear it
0: this this track fits in nicely then because we're you did this track called my tape oh yes which is this is a great song because not only does it sort of hit all the uh the right notes in terms of like cool sort of uh you know nostalgia kind of sounds but also lyrically it's literally about a cassette tape yes and so it's uh you know it's like multi-level marketing uh yeah no it's not it might, <laughs> i might not be using that uh, term correctly anyway this is uh my tape by hot dad was Hot Dad with the track My Tape and I'm here right now with Hot Dad Eric talking about nostalgia and earnestness and uh, tapes and tapes yeah <laughs> and earnesty well because you've made so much stuff like because I know you sent me your synth album and uh, yeah we'll play like a track from it probably at the end I just like the idea that you've actually made this synthwave album but that's like we're probably not going to get to it because <laughs> you've no made problem. so
2: much music before that I wanted to uh, focus on anytime anybody does like a deep dive into my work I'm just honored and flattered because obviously it's fun to talk about your own work but like I don't put a ton of thought behind things like as I making them so like to hear that people have found meaning in them to hear that people are like exploring the angles there are certain things that like I feel like become automatic once you've done stuff enough where you're not really you're not saying well if I did this it would be crazy and it would be so unorthodox so I was was talking about the TV themes earlier and like I talk about them all being on HBO like multiple shows they they have like HBO in the lyrics (laughs) and they're not HBO shows but like when I was editing the videos the first show I did was girls on HBO and then when I was editing the next video I just left the HBO intro which I think Scrubs was the second one I did sure I was like this is kind of funny like it shows the HBO intro because I was naming them you know Scrubs Scrubs intro HQ or whatever like clickbaity title but then I was like if I leave the HBO logo at the front of all these like that right there that's got to weed some people out right yeah like they're gonna know that show isn't on there but then by the time i did the wonder years which was like the fourth or fifth one like it ended up getting like a hundred thousand views because it was the only copy of the theme song up oh no nice. like it was it was just like all these angry comments of people and i was just like what the fuck are you talking about you literally watched through an hbo logo and then continued watching this because like i could see how long they watched it And they watched it for like 40 seconds of this clearly not being the opening theme song. Yeah. Before they bailed. (laughs) And then they're all enraged about it. And I'm like, I gave you so many opportunities to get out of this. <laughs> Again, I didn't plan any of that. It was just like something that was making me laugh. And then people are doing these articles. Like there were a few write-ups about the album and they're like, he said it in this alternate world where every show is on
0: HBO. <laughs> like universe. I was like, oh, I guess that's a cool idea. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what I was going <laughs> That's for. when you discover how high concept you really are.
2: Yeah. So I, I, that stuff is really flattering to me. And I, I like, I think it's really fun, but like I was saying with movies, Like I'm sort of a consumer of things where something either works for me or it doesn't. And if it does work, then maybe I'm willing to do a little bit of that analysis. But for me, it's more of like a, you know, I I could give a movie a star rating. Like I sometimes do that just to like try and remember things that I've watched. But
0: (laughs) I used to do that when I was in high school. We were like movie nerds and we had this fucking chart, a a few friends and I, and we just we watched movies and just gave them star ratings. And I God, I wish I could find that fucking thing. It, It was like this big binder. But, it's a funny thing when I, when I just think about, um, analysis you know like when you watch something that really stays with you and very few things stay with me anymore for me to bother caring about people's analysis but I watched like the third season of Twin Peaks and that really made me uh, just go like what the fuck and there's videos on the internet there's one I just watched this dude who literally tries to explain what Twin Peaks means and it's a four and a half hour video Wow, four and a half hours of just this guy talking to the camera like I really like David Lynch like he's just so weird but I find his stuff really funny so every movie like uh, my favorites of his always seem to have like some really weird death scene that's like I find hilarious. So you know, Wild at Heart. At the end, we're fucking Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Start, gets blown away and then falls on his knees and like blows his head off. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's so good. Dude, when I saw that the first time, it was on VHS and my friends and I just laughed so hard and we just stopped the movie and then just kept rewinding because yeah. that scene was so absurd. In Lost Highway, there's a scene where like this dude does like this Superman dive across the room and then just like impales his head like on a, on the corner of a table. Mm-hmm. And like just the way it's filmed, like he films from underneath the guy. So we see the full Superman dive and then just. <laughs> (laughs) like this and so I but I always find him really funny and so like Twin Peaks season three like it's funny just because of how weird like it's 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 David Lynch I think the most David Lynch thing that's ever been made yeah like it's so weird and there are scenes that made me laugh just because of the audacity of like what is he doing like he would hold on things there's shots where like you just see someone sweeping for like five minutes yeah and that shit makes me laugh because I just I, I just the absurdity of knowing how many people are angry angry watching it going like what the fuck is this and there's so many scenes like that in the show that just brought me joy i mean i have friends who torrented it that told me
2: that they thought multiple episodes that like the files were fucked up that they downloaded <laughs> it turns out that that was the deliberate choice. He's a great example of, if you watch interviews with him, he's not pretentious at all. Like, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He just is like, for Blue Velvet, I just had this idea of an ear sitting in the grass. And then I just, like, kept building from there. I didn't really know where it was going to go. Yeah. I don't know. I I think that there's this uh, misconception about artistry that, like... Uh, That people have this grand vision, but I, I think a lot of the times some of the greatest art is just like one tiny step at a time. Like you just you don't have the full picture in view at all. Yeah. Occasionally there are like these visionaries that can imagine everything from start to finish. But yeah, I think for the majority of us. Yeah, you just start with this tiny little concept and all of a sudden by the end of it you know people are like whoa that's uh, that's crazy i don't know how you came up with something with that much depth and it's just like yeah i was just a little bit at a time
0: it's about just the general feeling that the sort of the art evokes i think like in the case of david lynch it's like the things he makes feel like dreams yeah oh nonstop. Yeah. even like twin peaks if there is any deeper meaning which i, I do believe there is i think that's mostly down to the writer dude right the fucking mark frost guy like i think david lynch is like pretty straightforward kind of dude, but he's, he's an awesome dude in interviews. Like, I love watching that guy talk. Like, he's very funny to me.
2: I mean, he has a, there's a documentary, The Art Life... That's just him chain-smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and just, like, painting all day long. And, like, that's all he does is just paints all the time. Yeah.
0: (laughs) How about this? We should probably wind down because we've been talking for a while. Whatever you got to do. Let's listen to a track from your album, Synth Down. Nice. There's a bunch of... uh, A bunch. Fuck me. This is what happened. My brain just starts to shut down after... (laughs) There's a bunch of great tracks on here. How about we just listen to the first one? This one's called Driving Fast and Using a Car Phone to Call the Present Day. And it is by. It's just fun to say. And it is by Hot Dad. That was Hot Dad, with the track Driving Fast and Using a Car Phone to Call the Present Day. And I'm here right now with Hot Dad, Eric. So, uh, yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> Pretty good. How about you? I'm all right. Yeah, so that that album, I bought a
2: plug-in, a synth plug-in that I had my eyes on for a long time, and suddenly it went on sale. Just like out of nowhere, and I was like you know what? This is never going to be discounted at this rate. Everyone's saying they never do discounts like this. I have to buy it. (laughs) so I bought it. And then I had a little bit of guilt for suddenly buying it. Not that I wasn't going to use it, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to make an album using these synth plugins. And that'll be my my way of channeling that guilt into something that will potentially pay for the plugin. What company
0: produced this plugin? Was it? It was Yuhi the yuhi diva see i said that the other day and people fucking made fun of me because i'm just like i called it yuhi and they're just like they're laughing i'm like what and it's like because no one's ever said it out loud because no one ever says it out loud yeah i don't know how the fuck to say it i called it yuhi yeah anyway (laughs) Uh, how are we supposed to talk about it if we can't say it out loud well it's funny because you know when you do so much stuff online everybody's so used to reading things and since i talk to people on this show sometimes i'll say words that like when you think about it like Oh, yeah, I guess I've never heard someone say it. And Yuhi is just one of those companies I've never heard someone say the word out loud, but, like, everybody who makes music, like, knows it because it's a plug-in maker. And uh, that's fucking probably one of my worst stories. Sorry about that. I mean,
2: that's literally (laughs) true about any new word. I mean... I wrote ebooks for a while. Like I wrote like romance novels. Like, like self-published ebooks. Like that was how I got the money to actually take a year off and just compose all the time.
0: I'm sorry. I'm ending this interview and you just bring up now that you made romance novel ebooks? Yeah. <laughs> True story. True story. I'm sorry. We're extending the interview for a few more minutes. Why not? Continue.
2: So I got in this habit of like reading vocabulary books and like trying to boost my vocabulary. And then I started realizing that like I would say a word that I just learned and either no one had ever heard it or they all said it differently. And that constantly happens. And it's. Essentially, if you learn a word in a book, it's not like a negative thing to learn a new word because you were reading. Right. But it's hard. Like you want to say the word in the most common way, but there are weird rules. Like if you want to know a weird one, it's like the word it it technically should be said flaccid, not flaccid because you don't say accident as accident.
0: Yeah. It, well, English is a funny language that way. Like English has so yeah. many inconsistent rules. We're just lucky we were born into it. Right. I'd love to say flaccid. <laughs> Instead of flaccid Every time I'm intimate with a lady it's a word that always comes up Right now you know the right way to say it Yeah, <laughs> And the
2: ladies Will be really impressed with your pronunciation
0: Yeah they gotta be impressed with something It's certainly not my
2: fucking flaccid wang Right right you gotta find The winds where they are yeah. you know <laughs> No, but that was yeah. I literally I took that model of writing eBooks, putting them up, and then they they work for me while I'm not working. Like once I realized that that's what I could do with music, I was like, there is a way to survive doing this independently. Like there is a way to make this work. So tell me about this eBook. How many eBooks did you write? I published I think seven hundred fifty thousand words in about a year and a half. What? So what's the premise of these books? I did erotica and erotic romance. <laughs> I'm sorry yeah wait so what why was it a joke no it wasn't i i mean some of it was kind of tongue-in-cheek but are you familiar with the something awful forums no okay
0: well it's a humor forum i mean it's like literally memes are oh wait yes yeah yeah i've seen some memes that are branded that like it says something awful at the bottom yeah well so they created i mean they were
2: called image macros on there but like that whole format originated there there's like so much stuff like in internet culture that origin originated there and i've been on the site since I was like 16, 17. I mean, since like 1999, I've been like visiting the forums. So Reddit had Ask Me Anything and then something awful before Reddit even existed had Ask Tell, where you could talk about a career, like something you were doing. This woman made this post who's like, I write erotica and I've been making $80,000 a month for the past three months, Ask Me Anything. And... She started explaining how she got started in it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to read some of these and see what they are. And like my senior project in high school was I wrote like a teen slasher novel, like RL Stein had like fear street and these like the goosebumps were, you know, like aimed at kids, but then fear street was like for teens. Mm. So I wrote like one of those was like my senior project in English. And I started reading some of this erotica and I was like, oh my God, like, the way that I wrote when I was like 19 years old is like the same level as this. And people are making like tens of thousands of dollars a month or more. And I just decided to try it. Like I quit in my job in it. I I've, I did it most of my life. And then it was around that time that I was like, you know, I I, I want to do internet marketing. And I kind of failed at that because I don't, I don't know. I don't really like approaching people and saying like, your website isn't optimized for SEO. Yeah. <laughs> need to, you know, do this. So I, Started doing it, and it was kind of a, a massive failure for like the first maybe twelve books or something. Like these were shorts, because like shorts are anywhere from two thousand to five thousand words. Like that's what most people would write, and you could sell those for three dollars a piece and make two dollars. Right. So like royalties that are just like insane, because like you could write a short in one day and put it up, and and you have something that's making money potentially. But that was what I did, and and I just took it to its logical end because the people I was surrounded with in the community were like people who had like writing degrees and English degrees. And they, all they could find were like adjunct professor positions where they had no benefits and they weren't paid well. And all they wanted was to write. And like, I wanted to make music. There just came this day where like all of a sudden when I meet somebody new and tell them what I did, like I didn't feel excited to tell people anymore. Right. And when I hit that point, I was like, I guess I gotta take this music thing more seriously. And then that was when I shifted to it.
0: Were these erotica novels like connected? Like, did they have like characters that went through them or were they all different? Uh, I did
2: four novels that were all about a separate subject. So those would have been about 100,000 words, which is roughly 300 to 400 Kindle pages, depending on what your font size is. Mm. Serials were really popular after... Fifty Shades of Grey exploded then people were just doing serialized billionaire romance novels essentially where it would be some rich mysterious guy who charms this woman into BDSM stuff. <laughs> And it would be... What a genre. Yeah, I mean, you could release, like, an installment every week. Yeah. (laughs) And that was what... That author who was making $80,000 a month for three months, that's what she was doing. She just was just releasing one of those a week. Like, a lot of my earlier music is, like... There's a lot of unreleased stuff that's just, like, completely over-the-top sexual weirdness. And it was, like, that's because, like, I was, like, literally writing that stuff. And then... (laughs) going to music and being like well why don't why don't I write about that like that would be funny that is uh,
0: that is amazing man that is <laughs>
2: true story it's awesome I haven't revealed my pen names i don't know whether i will or not
0: i I don't know how how explicit like i don't think i've ever really read a romance novel like how explicit are they like you don't ever use the word dink right like is it like you use like the fucking pulsing rhythms or whatever like or or do you actually say like and then you fucking jizzed on her face like you don't go that far right
2: you don't basically what what my method was was to actually find a novel that wasn't like repulsive to me not like in a grossness factor but just like 50 shades of gray is like unreadable like it's because you you have to read things for inspiration like you're not necessarily writing your own fetish all the time Mm. you have to dig into things that aren't your forte and i would try to find anything any author who would like compel me to read the book i I didn't want to read stuff that was terrible and and i was trying to find anything And, and then i would just try to find language that they use to describe sexual acts and my my kindle at that time was just like full of highlighted sections of sex descriptions that i would then try to do the same thing i'm doing with music like imagine something and then you know spit it back out my own way but there was good stuff and then there was stuff that was like really bad that somehow would be incredibly profitable and i didn't understand why that would be the case but It's something I'm really happy I did because I learned a lot from doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just about, like, delegating tasks. I had to pay, you know, I would pay editors for my novels. I would pay cover designers. I would do all those sorts of things. And, like, that instilled that spirit in me that, you know, those are my two main advantages, that I did that first and then that, like, I have a background in IT because it hasn't been that hard for me to figure out software and feel comfortable, like, doing semi-complex things to make music yeah i, I don't know I'm, I'm grateful that those two things happened and i guess i have a decent ear for music <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll say that
0: uh, i love this 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 story took a nice turn i think this is cool i always like trying to find out because a lot of the people i talk to almost have like similar sort of origin stories and so you are oh, yeah. the first person i've spoken to who has a uh, past in writing kindle erotica yeah
2: i mean they called it they literally called it one-handed reading because you could hold the kindle with one hand and you know, do whatever with the other. Play with your vagina, you mean? Yeah, do whatever, <laughs> anything you want. Play with any parts, any parts you like.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That that is amazing. Like that's uh, this is my favorite part of this. Um, how about this? Let's say goodbye, but let's listen to one more track, and then we'll we'll sign off. All right, I'm excited to hear what it's going to be. We can just play another track from Synthdown. Uh, this was another one I really liked. It was called "Water Damage Postcard," and then in brackets, "From a Nice Place." Yes, by Hot Dad. And that was Hot Dad with the track Water Damaged Postcard from a nice place. And we have been chatting with Hot Dad today, Eric. And, uh, yeah, it's been uh, fun to chat with you. It's been wonderful to be here. So is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Or you... I, I think we weaved through a lot of things.
2: I don't know. I, I think we covered some interesting things. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I like to talk about my music. I like to talk about my creative process. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, look, man, you have, uh, you have a lovely day. People should go check out your stuff. So where, where can they find the the works of Hot Dad? I should show up pretty high. In, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily the best name for... Uh, Google searchability? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I have a song called
2: Penis Tip. So when you search for Hot Dad, Penis <laughs> Tip, it's not, it doesn't work that well. I also get, I get a lot of weird search results on Bandcamp like given all the weird topics I've covered and then you link that with hot dad and you end up getting some like really weird searches from India, et cetera. Right.
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you look for hot dad, I'm, I'm hot dad on YouTube at hotter dad on almost every other platform just because YouTube seems to be the only one where I've secured the username and then I'm on hot is my website nice I mean I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff at hotter dad cool there could be a hottest dad out there but I'm currently only hotter yeah
0: (laughs) well look man you make uh, fun tunes and I look forward to uh, hearing more stuff from from hot dad and uh, I'm really bad at like signing off things keep on being a cool guy I appreciate you having me on here it's been an honor to, to talk about all this stuff And that was my chat with Hot Dad. Uh, He's a cool guy, a fun guy. I enjoy uh, chatting with him. And uh, maybe we'll chat with him again sometime because he's got quite the output. I also want to say, because I always forget to say this, that all the jingles on Beyond Synth are written and performed by Mike Mendoza, aka Modern Knight. All right, so you can hear all the Beyond Synth jingles on Spotify. Ironically, if you type in Beyond Synth Spotify into the search engine, I think his jingles album comes up before Beyond Synth does, which is great. But uh, <laughs> that's some some bad SEO on my part. But if you are a person. person. Person who enjoys Hot Dad, or you listen to this show because you're a fan of Hot Dad. uh, I suggest you check out Modern Night and uh, Hoo Ha as well, because he also writes fun uh, pop tracks with a bit of a a sense of humor there. And so uh, that's my that's my endorsement. And that's all I have to say because we're done. The show is over. Thanks for listening. Uh, Don't forget you can support the show, and I'm very appreciative if you do. And uh, tell your friends. That's your mission this week. If you enjoyed this show, post a fucking link and say, hey guys, check out uh, this podcast. It's uh, it's the best one there is. You know, tell all your dumb friends if they're walking around listening to those stupid, like, murder ones. You know, where it's like, oh, I like podcasts, so what do you like? Oh, it's this called the fucking Cincinnati Stabber, and it's all about how they tried to find the guy who was stabbing all those people in the 70s. And you're like, well, fuck you, man. Inject some fun into your ears and listen to Beyond Synth. You don't need no fucking murder, you need some synth. I've been Andy last and I hope you enjoyed this show. Now tune in next week to Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. Ironically, next week is the one where we try and figure out who the Cincinnati stabber is. <laughs> so isn't everybody the Cincinnati stabber? Doesn't that city have like a lot of stabbings? Oh, what am I thinking of? Oh sorry, I'm thinking of Knife City. Why am I still talking? <laughs>
1: If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Or you can donate directly on beyondsynth.com. Beyond Synth can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. And remember to like and subscribe to Beyond Synth on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. Until next time...